Thanks be to God for a spirit who speaks through music and rhythm and harmony. Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, as well as chapter 16, verses 4b through 15. Let us listen for the word. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This year, while I have been interning here at Second, I had the privilege of working with our confirmation class. Throughout the year, we learned about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, as well as other aspects of Christian life, such as baptism and the importance of scripture. But when we got to the chapter on our, in our books about the Holy Spirit, one of the tasks we undertook was making a list of all of the images we could think of that have been used over the many, many years to describe the Spirit, both in Scripture and throughout the history of our church. Some of the images and names we listed were these. Tongues of fire, water, rushing wind, a descending dove, dreams, visions, a smoky mist, or even the breath of God. There seem to be many different names and descriptions for the Spirit, but we often spend very little time talking about them. Maybe it's because it's difficult to pin down exactly who the Spirit is, or maybe it's because our language is too simple to fully grasp the awesomeness of this third part of the Trinity. 
But if we take a closer look at our scripture passage this morning from John, maybe we can get a little bit more clarity. Paraclete. This is the Greek word that John uses in our scripture reading to describe the Spirit. It means advocate or one called alongside. Besides one other verse in 1 John, John's gospel is the only place in the New Testament to use the word paraclete to define who the Spirit is. To be an advocate means to work in support or defense of a particular person or of a specific cause. It's a powerful term. We often think of an advocate when issues of justice or righteousness need to be heard. Advocates are those who go out of their way to support people and causes regardless if it will bring them any benefit. Advocates can be the people who give voices to those whom our society would try to silence. Advocates are important and they are deeply needed in a world where it's more trendy for everyone to only take care of themselves. Another word that is key to our understanding of the Spirit this morning is aletheia. Aletheia is translated as truth. John's Gospel uses the word truth at least 25 times and even defines Christ as the way, the truth, and the life in chapter 14. It's very important to John that anyone who reads this passage understands that the paraclete, or advocate, that is coming after Christ is an advocate of aletheia, of truth. This means that when the Spirit comes, its work will consist of advocating for the truth that is Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus makes it clear that the paraclete, the advocate, will be speaking truth that comes directly from God and from Christ. The Spirit will be continuing the work of Christ's ministry through the disciples and then also through the church. This aletheia, or truth, that the Spirit will be doing is not quite the same kind of truth we find in a dictionary or encyclopedia. But instead, this truth is more action-oriented rather than a stated fact. If we take a deeper look at the word aletheia, it means an unconcealing or an unveiling until the truth is revealed. This is how the work of the Spirit differs from the work of this world. Judith McDaniel says that the trouble in our country is that we do very little drawing out or uncovering. Instead, we are masters in the art of spackle and plaster. Jesus is sending the paraclete to continue to uncover and unmask the truth that lies under all of the drywall and layers of paint that human beings have layered over the years. Jesus began this work in his ministry, and the Spirit follows to continue the task, the task of renovating the truth through the lives of Christ's followers. Another perhaps more tangible illustration of the paraclete 
could also be a coach. When Jesus was about to leave his disciples, he knew that they would need a coach by their sides if they were going to be able to continue running the race of God's work. Jesus knew his followers would be encountering persecution and conflicts that would be difficult to endure. Therefore, he sends the Spirit to coach them. The Spirit as a coach is not only going to work with the disciples, but from within them, and from within each of us as well. Coaches are very special people. They know exactly when an athlete needs whenever they're training. They know when to challenge and push someone harder to accomplish a new task. They know when to bring hope to a difficult situation or even an injury. And coaches especially know when an athlete has had too much and needs to rest and rehydrate. Gymnast gold medalist Shannon Miller was one of the magnificent seven on the women's U.S. gymnastics team in 1996 at the Georgia Olympics. In her book entitled Winning Every Day, she talks about the importance of having a good coach. She says this, Sometimes being a great motivator means figuring out what people need. For a coach, it can involve lightening the mood, or it can involve yelling at a gymnast who needs a verbal kick in the butt to get her going. My coach has done this for me, and the key has always been knowing when I need each one. Friends, just like a coach, the Holy Spirit knows what we need and when we need it. And I don't just mean that the Spirit knows what the church needs. The Spirit also knows what each of us individually needs. A coach might be in charge of an entire soccer team, but that same coach also acts as a personal trainer, knowing what each individual athlete requires. A good coach also stays by their athletes, both during practice as well as games, because their needs change throughout the course of the season. No one stays the same. This is what the Holy Spirit also does for the church today, as well as for individual followers of Christ. The Spirit remains with us, no matter what. The Spirit is the bridge that spans the gap between Jesus' ministry and the continued revelation of God through the church today. Scholar Emmanuel Larty says this, The Spirit connects the creative genius of the Father with the redemptive love of the Son and the courageous witness of the church. Friends, although the Spirit moves and changes, as we move and we change, it is the constant thread that maintains the past and the future relationships between us human beings and our Creator. In his essay entitled The Last Word on Biblical Authority, local scholar Brian Blunt says this about the Spirit. The role of the Spirit is a constant Laced into the fabric of human beings is that part of us that reaches beyond the boundaries of our flesh and our blood and touches the essential voice 
of God's own Holy Spirit. Did you ever hear someone say that a room is wired for sound? We're wired for God. Wired by God with a human spirit that despite its limitations can be touched by God's Holy Spirit. In every time, in every place, in every moment of history, the Spirit plays this interlocutory role. It's how we hear God, and through this hearing, when we are fortunate, hear each other. The Spirit is a constant. Friends, the breath that God breathed into the first human beings at creation, as well as the breath that Jesus breathes onto the disciples after the resurrection in John chapter 20, is the same spirit that we have always been wired for. And our wiring is what motivates us to move. When we get too comfortable or too lazy, and we need to get our rear in gear, the Spirit lights a flame in us to spark us to action. When we are struggling to keep going because the heat is too much, the Spirit is a cool drink of water to refresh us. When we have been hurt or injured and we might be in danger of collapsing, the Spirit is the breeze that wraps around us and keeps us standing up. When we have worked hard and run the, way, the race well, the Spirit is the one who affirms our gifts and claims them for God. The Spirit is both our team coach as well as our personal trainer. And the Spirit is the constant of whatever work God calls us to. And when we encounter this Spirit, it takes the form of whatever it is that we need most to keep going. Last weekend, myself and the other youth leaders took our youth on a spring retreat to Lake Gaston. The theme for the weekend was on holy ground, and we focused on the story of Moses and the encounter he had with God at the burning bush. And if you stay for coffee hour, you'll see some of our artwork in the chapel. We asked the youth to think about different times in their own lives when they had felt God's presence or known that they had encountered the Spirit. We gave some of them, we gave all of them some time to reflect on this, and each one made a timeline of their life, and they marked specific times along the way that they knew they were in the presence of the Spirit. On Saturday night of the retreat, we held a worship service on the dock by the lake. And during the time for the proclamation, each of us shared our holy moments with each other. I listened as everyone spoke, and there was a common thread running throughout all of our narratives. The places where we felt closest to the Spirit were not all joyful, comfortable places, but instead they were places of conflict, hurt, or devastation. There were places where each of us could have chosen to be comfortable, but instead chose to move ourselves toward the pain or towards those who were suffering. There were places where each of us was jolted awake by the Spirit 
and given the challenge to unveil a little bit more of the truth that we hungered for. Our encounters with the Spirit on holy ground left us in need of healing, but at the same time, motivation to keep moving and keep following. The holy ground that the Spirit had led us to calls the Spirit within each of us to stir and to prepare for action. This is what Christ intended for us when he promised to send his Spirit. Jesus knew after he was gone that the disciples would struggle, and he knew that they would not be able to struggle alone. Athletes wouldn't need coaches if getting to the Olympics were easy, and we would not need the Spirit if following Christ were easy. This race that we run is indeed difficult, and it's long. And here in Richmond especially, we know what it takes to run a marathon. Therefore, Christ has sent the perfect coach and advocate to counsel us along the way. The Spirit may be constantly moving and constantly changing throughout time within each of us, but the Spirit is always constant. And because of this, we are never left to figure out the truth on our own. We are never left to our own devices in order to reveal Christ's truth to the rest of the world. The Spirit works through each of us, and we depend on the Spirit to discern what it is that God wants us to do while we are on this earth. Each week when we gather here in this place for worship, someone, a member of the congregation, stands here in this pulpit and prays a prayer for illumination. We pray this prayer before we read scripture. And the sole purpose of this prayer is to ask for the Holy Spirit to help us in understanding the truth of the word that we read together, as well as the action that we should take in response to that word. We may not have lived when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush. We, not, may, not have, we may not have lived when Jesus was living and walking with his disciples, but we live now with the Spirit. And the presence of the Spirit among us is just as tangible as Christ's Spirit, as Christ's presence with his disciples. So what does this mean for us as a church, as individual followers of Christ? It means that the same truth Christ revealed during his life and his ministry is still being revealed through us in the ministry of this congregation, and the way we allow the Spirit to work in the world. Jesus has promised us the presence of the paraclete, the advocate, the spirit of truth, to be alongside us and to advocate for the truth that is God's kingdom. It also means that all of God's truth that humans have so carelessly covered up with our spackle and our wallpaper still needs to be uncovered. And we have been commissioned by Christ and through the Spirit to help renovate. This day, as we take the time to focus on the Spirit 
and celebrate the promise of Christ's advocate among us. It's my hope that we can allow ourselves to listen for the voice, to look for the fire, or to wait to see the water or the visions or the dreams or to feel the wind around us. However the Spirit makes itself known to you, welcome it. If the Spirit as a coach motivates you to run faster, start sprinting. If the Spirit challenges you to push harder, take deeper breaths. If the Spirit tells you to take a water break, drink deeply until your thirst is quenched. As we run this race together, allow the Spirit to fill you up. Friends, the Spirit is indeed among us. So let us live in this promise, allowing the Spirit to advocate God's truth to us and through us. Let us pray. Gracious God of love, as we are reminded today of the presence of your Spirit with us and around us and through us, help us to follow wherever you may lead us so that all might come to know your truth. Amen. <laughs>